Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except for that demo tape you and I made in high school. Let's never speak of that again. You got a record of your favorite songs. You got an hour and it won't take long. You got a pair of brand new friends. You got a ticket gonna stick to the end. I said, now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this show. I find a lot of solace in being able to write a song. We definitely felt as a group that we were deeply unfashionable, that we were misfits. Well, look at the kid from school. He's teaching mamas and papas how to be a little cool. He's changing fashion the way he dresses. Attracted to old Bella hoodies Where the money for the kid with the will to funk He dances in secret He's a part-time punk And she's getting off the plane Well, welcome back to she Now Hear This <laughs> I accidentally did not record my track And we had <laughs> an amazing intro <laughs> Ryan did jumping I did jacks. Jumping jacks, those are lost. You really, uh, you missed out on some stuff. They were lost forever, and we do not know Elvis Costello lyrics. I should know. You I should. always act like a big shot, like I know all of his. You're still big shot to me, Ryan. Well, you had to be a big shot, didn't you? What's that lyric? You had to be a big shot, didn't you? You had to be prove a, it to the crowd. Pro- prove it to the crowd. Uh, you, you had, had to have the last, last shot last night. night. You're so fun to be around. around. Is that Turnstiles? What's What album is that? I'm sorry, I've faded into Jiminy Glick there. <laughs> what album is that on? <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> oh, shit, Paul, where'd you go? <laughs> I believe that's on Glass Houses, Jimmy. Glass Houses. That's very interesting. <laughs> I love Glass Houses. It's not even anything anymore. They have many stones. <laughs> now, what would you say is your favorite album? <laughs> no, that's not good. That's amazing. Either. No, Ryan. We have to change this whole oh, show. To our Jiminy Glick tribute <laughs> podcast. Now hear this with Jiminy Glick. The, the Jiminy trick. Which one is really Jiminy podcast? That's really Martin Short, right? That's how he... No. Okay. <laughs> where, so where has he been? Martin? Martin? No, Jiminy oh, Glick. Oh, yeah. Glick. Glick. Oh, my God. Martin Short told a story on Conan. No. Conan, yes, the other night. Yeah. Where uh, George Harrison was at a party with him and played him Traveling Wilburys Volume 3, but was being guy who wrote music and recorded it and wanted to play it for people who weren't really paying attention at a party. Wow. Can you imagine? Uh, that's amazing. George Harrison yeah. being that guy. Yes. I. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. 
like him going, yeah, and this one's called Cool Dry Place, and here's how we wrote it, and like everyone's wandering off, yeah, or staring like, at their cocktail. Oh uh, yeah, well that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking at my watch. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, so you wrote um, something. It's the the song something. <laughs> something, right? You wrote something. You wrote some kind of song about the sun and the moon. I like Here Comes the Moon. I love Here Comes the Moon. Oh, you love moon. Here Comes the Moon. I, in fact, I even did a cartoon one time that made it into print in an Archie comic about the moon being the little brother to the sun yeah. and the sun giving the moon a noogie. Because mm. that's a line from that's that song. George Harrison nod there. Yeah. For those keeping score. And if you are keeping score, please send me a picture of your scorecard because I would love <laughs> We're to in, see what's on that. Whose line is it anyway rules? The points don't matter. Yeah. But they do, maybe. Today, Ryan. Oh, no. We are discussing an album that has absolutely nothing to do with anything about what we nothing. just talked about. Apropos of nothing. Well, I'm going to try to loop it into something now, but please continue. We are talking about Bell and Sebastian's album, The Life Pursuit. The Life Pursuit. The yeah. seventh studio album by Bell and Sebastian that I gave you to listen to because oh, no. I love this album. And it's my last album contribution of the season. And I'm so happy it was this one because I, I love it. it. I love it. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you for this record. And second and foremost. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. And that was the show. Yeah. Uh, third and foremost, I listened to this record one time mm-hmm. in college. And <laughs> that was a mistake because yeah. I went on a wild journey where I kept hearing songs in order on the record, up until a point, we'll get to that point. I was like, oh my good gravy god ghost. <laughs> Gosh. You got it, yeah. Keep going. Groundhog. <laughs> Gerund. Yeah. Groovy guy. This is amazing. It's, it's an amazing album. It's hit after hit. Uh, almost. Yeah. Yeah, hit There's after a hit. A couple of little weak points, but my experience with Bell and Sebastian and we'll get into it as we go, started with, uh, I may as well just mention at the top, the way I got introduced to Bell and Sebastian was from the song Sookie in the Graveyard. Mm -hmm. A girlfriend of mine in 2007 put it on a mix CD for me, and it was one of those summer love, puppy love type of summers, and uh, Sookie in the Graveyard was on there, Mika stuff was on there, uh, MIA was on there, and it was like... the. You have those soundtracks of your summer. And uh-huh. So Sookie in the Graveyard is sort of where I began and ended with Bell and Sebastian for a few years, actually. Right. I didn't really branch out beyond that. I started looking into them more, and I'm like, boy, these are some sad songs. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. every other Bell and Sebastian album is super sad. Super duper sad. And really quiet. And that's why when I did wind up listening to this full album, The Life Pursuit, I was like, why is every song a sunshine pop tune? Mm-hmm. It's an anomaly in their career. Like, before and after this, you don't really get an album that is just bursting with sunshine. No, absolutely not. There's some on Dear Catastrophe Waitress. Sure. But not like this. There's a couple. There's that Thin Lizzy song, uh, I'm a Cuckoo. Uh, yes. I'd rather be in Tokyo. I'd rather listen to Thin Lizzy, yo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of my favorite little lyrics of all time. Not wrong. <laughs> it's not incorrect. Yeah. I'd rather be in Tokyo. I'd rather listen to Thin Lizzy, yo. 
Watch the Sunday gang and high with Juku. There's something wrong with me. I'm a cuckoo. But so anyway, th- this uh, band is so interesting to me because I have such a love-hate, not love-hate, I have such a um, hit-or-miss relationship with the rest of their catalog. Mm-hmm. But this album is the embodiment of what I was hoping this show would be, where oh. I can give you an album that I say, I think this is perfect in its own way. Here is this right. perfect thing. What do you think? And I can't think, like all the albums we've covered that I've brought to the table this season, I've tried to make that. Like, I think this is perfect for what it is mm-hmm. in the time and the space and the people that it is and are. This one is is that to me. And yeah. I every track, I don't have a, a weak one on here, really. Not like, I don't have one I hate on here. There's some well, I think good. are weaker than others, but... It makes sense to me, especially when we start walking through the track list. I'm unclear on a lot of points. I did some reading. I did some digging. Yeah. But yeah, up until maybe a couple of tracks on the what would be the B side of yeah. the record, I was like, wow, this is just another good song. This is another great set of lyrics. Yes. So many, I don't want to say complicated, well crafted yes. rhymes and images. Mm-hmm. These are great songs. Now, what had your relationship been to Bell and Sebastian before this? Were you aware of their releases when they came out? Were yeah. there songs that you liked over the years or? Was it just like, oh, I'm aware of them, but I don't really, I'm not really looking to dive in. So because we talked about Ben Folds, everyone knows, unless this is your first time here, then go back to the beginning and start from the beginning. I'm a a Folds fan. I like Ben Folds and a big all music fan. And so when you're on all music, there's, this is before Spotify. This is when you had to go to Amazon or you had to go to Barnes and Noble or Borders and can you please special order a CD for me? And if you're, you're finding music that you want to hear it's hard to find this is one of the related bands oh. and there was a friend of mine in college that loved loved this group yeah all the records gave me all the records sure there's an ep called bucks or yes. book yeah 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 mm-hmm. i thought it was great from the four, late 90s yeah think. the four yeah. tracks on there that are really good i really loved a lot of dear catastrophe waitress there was a kid in my art class senior year of high school that was in love with Boy with the Arab Strap. Yeah, right, yes. There's always one, I feel like. There's always one guy or girl <laughs> Yeah, furiously drawing into a notebook somewhere Yeah, that loves this music. I think I've seen them. I can't remember. This is one of the... <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff. There's a whole, this, is, this is from a period in my life where I was consuming so much music. Yeah. I don't want to say where I got a lot of it. I didn't always... I downloaded it illegally is oh, what yeah. I'm trying to say. No, we all did. And it wasn't like I would get an album. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that band, discography, right. box sets, <laughs> download, three gigabyte of music. All right. And then I would listen to all of it. Yeah. I'd sit there, you're on a run, and just meticulously keep track of the songs with, with a star rating system and iTunes. Yeah, one of your notorious six-hour-long runs listening to the entire discography of the kooks. Yeah! yeah. Woo! <laughs> Is that guy on cocaine? No, he just loves music. <laughs> <laughs> he should run a podcast someday. He should be a podcast man. What's a podcast? <laughs> I'm from the future. Oh, and I'm, it was that man? Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese, if you'd like to make no money and spend a lot of time entertaining people, do I have a thing for you? (laughs) 
Yeah. Woo. So, like I said, I was listening to a lot of records, and I would just spin through things and through, through all catalogs. And so I've heard all these songs. I've yeah. heard all these songs before. I didn't realize that I had. Okay. Because I guess it all sticks in my brain. Yeah, that's fair. And, okay, so to this point, maybe because I did that, the seeds were planted 10 years ago or whatever, when it was 2006, 2005. Yeah. Six. Almost 15 years ago. Yeah. Gross. 10, 15 years ago to today, it blossomed in my brain where I reconnected with something that I remember hearing. And it was just, it was, it was like a long lost old friend or something. Oh, that's great. The sensation of listening to this record, for me at least. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. Really, really good. The other connection I have, because I am answering your question in a very long winded sort of way. I think that's literally why we're doing it. Paul keeps looking at his watch and stamping (laughs) his foot. (laughs) And he's got a noose he's holding. (laughs) And he keeps doing the the finger across the throat. 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 I don't understand he's trying to communicate. So I I have a buddy, his name is Ross Federman, who's in the band Tally Hall. Mm -hmm. And they recorded the last album they made with a guy named Tony Hoffer. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh yeah, who did this record. Right. So Most of it anyway. Most of the record, right. I remember being in the Sound Factory in LA in 2009 visiting Ross who was making Whoa. not this album, the Tally Hall album, and a lot of the gear that Whoa. they would have used on this record was everywhere. And I remember Tony who did not want me there. Tony, if you're listening <laughs> to this, I'm sorry <laughs> that I came to that that day. I was only there for like an hour or less. Yeah, Didn't want me there. And I was just looking at stuff and I caught the vibe and I got out of there. But that's, to wow. answer your question, my connection to this record. That's an awesome connection. I've I seen some of the equipment. <laughs> Amazing. I had to miss them. I had one opportunity to see them so far, and that was last year. They played at... Arroyo Seco, the festival in Pasadena, they were on one of the stages and I was trying to stake out my spot for Jack White later. So I had to miss Bell and Sebastian, unfortunately. I caught Chrissy Hine instead okay. because the Pretenders were on and Gary Clark Jr., which was not a bad trade-off. Like yeah. I like both of those artists. Anyway, so I would like to see them. I've never actually seen them. But let's get a little bit into how this album came to be. What do you say, Ryan? This is me doing a bad drum roll for you. I, well, it's, it's, yeah. Bah, it's okay, audio. Getting in their album. No, I wouldn't say good, but it's... We're still working a lot of the kinks out I here. I know. Oof. <laughs> 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 Maybe one day I'll have a drum for that. <laughs> All right, so Bell and Sebastian formed in Scotland in 1994 mm. by these two guys, Stuart Murdoch and Stuart David. So mm-hmm. two, the dueling Stuarts. They met at a place called Stowe College's Beatbox Program for Unemployed Musicians. Come on, <laughs> seriously? Is, yeah, it's really good. So Scottish. Yeah. So the duo's music professor was Alan Rankin, mm. who had been a member of the Associates, not to be confused with the Association. <laughs> uh, Definitely not. But he encouraged them both, and the Stewarts released a few records under the name Bell and Sebastian while they were still in this sort of college period. Mm-hmm. The name Bell and Sebastian comes from, and this is, we, I never knew this, the name comes from a short story that Murdoch wrote inspired by the television adaptation of a French novel called Bell et Sebastian about a six-year-old boy and his dog. Wow. It's weird, I didn't know that. They were so successful locally with these little releases that came out in the Stowe College program that they recorded a full-length album called Tiger Milk, and they recorded that in three days, if mm, you'll remember. Quick. 
yeah, if you'll remember, the exact same amount of time that Margot Price recorded Midwest Farmer's Daughter, three days. So sometimes, they, I guess, you know, these artists, they get in the studio and there's a burst of creativity. Mm-hmm. The artist we're going to talk about next episode, uh, it sounds like was completely stuck and did nothing for the first three days <laughs> yeah, of recording. Right. The exact opposite. Yeah. But anyway, Tiger Milk, I've listened to, it's okay. It's pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty slow. Pretty quiet. Well, he was sick or something, right? He had some kind of illness. This is not fact-checked or researched at all. This is what I remember when yeah. I, because I have a friend who's a big fan. He was bedridden, hospital-ridden, something along those lines. And when he came out of it, that the sort of joy of still being alive yeah. led him into this. When you had CFS, was it a time that you could listen to, absorb, and really care about music? Yes, I think I became much fussier um, about the music I, I listened to. It had to be able to, like you say, absorb me and take me to another place because at that point in your life when you're when you're down and out, what you want is escapism. And so for for a period of time there was a you know, there was a core of groups and music that I listened to that, that took me somewhere else and then I got very much into but then they reached a point where I wanted more and I wanted more escapism and I wanted more fantasy. And that's when I started to invent it for myself. Well, it must be hard to start something new and difficult, <laughs> um, like writing songs when you're sick. It was, but it, it felt like um, it felt like the one major thing that I, I had. It, when, when I started to do it, um, I realized that this could be a way out. I should say, I'm a big fan of this album, and I like the group, but I did not know any backstory virtually before actually doing the research for this episode. I'm more familiar just with their music because it's been with me for so long, but it's one of those bands, I don't know if you have any bands like this, where you never go into the backstory. You just have the music sitting on your iTunes or whatever, or in your case, Spotify. And I just, I just don't know what you about it. Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> <In your> case, <laughs> RC Cola. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I just knew nothing about them. Do you have any artists like that that you just... That you like the music, but you're not just complete. invested into the story whatsoever? Yeah, I mean, Thin Lizzy would be actually one of them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love the boys are back in town, those first couple albums. Don't care about yeah. the story of the band. Just the music. And then there, you know, there are bands like the Beatles or... Any number of the artists we've talked about where you're like, what is their story? What's their yeah. deal? And then the story is almost as good as the music, sometimes better than the music. I usually enjoy that side yeah. of it. Uh, it's really fun. But there is something nice about just letting the music speak for itself. For sure. Well, that's what he wants because all the album covers, he's not on any of them. Yeah, they're all models Yeah, <laughs> or actors or whatever. So that's perp- it's been set up that way. Mm-hmm. So we've been... The marketing plan was successful. Yes. Anyway, Tiger Milk, not my favorite, but it does establish their sound. And their sound, for people not familiar with their early work, or even this work, is kind of like, what would you say? It's a little Smithsy. Yeah, definitely. It's a little tail-ended new wave mixed with 
touchy-feely 90s. Touchy-feely 90s. I like that. It's all sort of in there. But on the undercurrent, the skeleton of it is really solid songwriting and great vocal. Like, I mm-hmm. really love, especially Stuart Murdoch's vocals. I think he's a very, very talented singer, and he beams. His voice just beams when he sings. Mm-hmm. So Tiger Milk was a uh, hit, and Murdoch and David recruited more band members, including Stevie Jackson on guitar and vocals, Isabel Campbell on cello and vocals, Chris Geddes on keys, and Richard Colburn on drums. They were signed to a label called Jeepster Records, which I thought maybe had something to do with Mark Bowling. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but apparently it's not. Jeepster is just a Scottish label. Their other big find was Snow Patrol. Wow. So Bell and Sebastian Snow Patrol. Yeah. So that was in August of 1996. And they stayed at Jeepster for a good long while before switching over to Rough Trade in the UK and Matador in the US. Mm. And that explains why I have a 45 or two by them and they're on Matador. And I was wondering about that. And I guess they've just... They were with them for a good long while. Makes sense. Yeah. So their third record, The Boy with the Arab Strap, was the big breakthrough for them, and it charted at number 12 in the UK in 1998. This gained them the attention of the worldwide mainstream music press. And in 2001, founding member Stuart David left the group and was replaced by Bobby Kilday, mm-hmm. spelled K-I-L-D-E-A. So there's the first iteration where it's the two Stuarts, and then there's the iteration after they become famous which is kind of murdoch running yeah. the show so this record we're about to talk about the life pursuit was their seventh studio album and it was recorded as you mentioned at the sound factory in los angeles in may of 2005 mastered at metropolis in london mm-hmm. producer was tony hoffer as you mentioned he produced i think all but two of the tracks and tony's got over 100 i was looking into this tony's got over 150 production credits under his belt yeah he's amazing yeah he produced all the beck shit i love yeah i think he produced garo which is like <laughs> not a bad record <laughs> no he produced marianne faithful phoenix the kooks the fratellis nora jones foster the people he kind of ran the indie rock gauntlet yeah he's one of the kings yeah top of his game So this album was released on February 6th, 2006 on Rough Trade Records and the next day in the U.S. on Matador. The cover art features, as we mentioned, three models posing in high contrast. The models are Alex Klobauk, Natasha Normley, Mm -hmm. Natasha Normley, and Maria Perverta. It was originally intended to be a double album, but was trimmed down. Yeah. Red Rose Speedway Are those out? Are they anywhere? I don't know. I assume B-sides. Hmm. We have a mystery on our hands. We do. And the reception was warm. At the time, this was the band's highest charting record, topping out at number eight in the UK and number 65 in the US, Billboard Top 200. It sold 20,485 copies in its first week and was certified silver in the UK. And it also charted around the world. Number 16 in Norway, 20 in Sweden, 41 in Belgium, 47 in Canada, and the list goes on. And those were some of the higher charting areas. Right. To give you an idea of their popularity, the Shins opened for them on the tour for this record, who were popular in their own right, but also coming off of opening for the White Stripes in 2005. Wow. So Bell and Sebastian's in that, even though they started in the 90s, you know, they are riding that indie wave. And we've talked a lot about this indie wave because I feel like I've brought a lot of these indie wave records to the table this season, whether it be Metric or Fiery Furnaces or what have you. Mm -hmm. But Bell and Sebastian is a little more like old guard indie, like Beck. Mm. Like Beck, for example. Like 
they started in the very mid 90s sure. and were gaining prominence by the mid 2000s. Pitchfork named this album number 86 in its top albums of the 2000s decade retrospective. So it, you know, got out there. People were talking about it. Was it the smash hit song of the summer? Was it Old Town Road? No. It was Thank God. For the for the indie crowd, for the rock and roll crowd important, I would say. Nice to have that sound represented mm-hmm. in the midst of the musical landscape sure. at that time. And yeah, one of my favorites. That's and that's the background there. So what do you say, Ryan? We step on over to a a certain corner that's oh, just no. chop full let of me put my, bullets. Let me put my vest on. <laughs> Good morning. I'm going to be your instructor. Okay, I know you're anxious to jump right in. Welcome to Paul's Bullet Corner, which is what we've settled shot. on. <laughs> it's just no, what I'm we've just kidding. I wasn't shot. Settled on calling this. I got some bullet points for you, Ryan. Are they hot? <laughs> They're some hot, steamy bullet points. Hot bullets. Okay. I've got a few for this one. All right. So my first bullet point. You're going to give me the bullet points now? Should Shall I? Yeah. 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 No, I was just uh, making sure because I want to make sure my mind is clear. Sweet. Wipe it. Wipe it clean. All right. Clean slate. Go okay. ahead. A playful syringe of Sunshine Morrissey. <laughs> oh my God. A playful <laughs> syringe. <laughs> I see so many... Playful syringes on my morning runs these days. <laughs> Strewn about. Ooh, okay, right. I'm sweating now. <clears throat> a happy album by a sad band that wants to administer falsetto face paint at the county fair. Oh, that's nice. Hmm? It's, it's calming it's and kind of sweet. I am so in touch with my feelings. <laughs> this is my third bullet point. <laughs> I think one of the janitors here just <laughs> just just uh, almost fell over their toolkit or whatever. <laughs> a toolkit? What? Yeah, uh, that shocked me. I don't need another cup of coffee now. 1965 Beatles for the 2006 Indie Masses and your high school assembly. Yeah, that one's exactly correct. Mm-hmm. And the last one here: twelve strings, eleven Valentines, ten daydreams. <laughs> Nine love drunk follies, eight members probably, seven belting vocals, six crumbling happy memories, and five golden rings. <laughs> that was. Ooh, I am actually sweating. I'm laughing so hard. I need to work out more. Uh, and that's been Paul's Bullet Corner. Excellent work. Again. So before we get into this album, I just want to say one thing at the top here. All right. I think there's a concept at play. Mm. And I uncovered this a little drunk the other night. (laughs) Please tell me more. I think this whole album is the story of kids in Catholic school about to graduate. Yeah. It could be. I think so. There's a lot of religious stuff happening in here. There's a lot of... Well, he's religious, right? He's he's a Christian. Is he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But you used to live above a church, uh, and you were the church's caretaker. You did this for how many years? Maybe about seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. This was precisely at the time that the group came together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I guess I'd been, you know, living from sort of room to room around Glasgow and just, you know, getting on with 
with my sort of gloomy existence up to a point. And then uh, I, I attended a church and um, the minister knew that I didn't really have a permanent place to stay and, and he offered that uh, that I should stay in the in the church, building the church hall and, and look after the, the premise. Doesn't drink, church all the time, a lot of hymns. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just him singing from the heart about his God or whatever. But when you start looking at the lyrics, there's a lot of school imagery and there's a lot of religious imagery. Right. And it would explain a great many things about some of these songs. But keep that in mind as like, that's my hypothesis. Mm -hmm. But we open with track one, Act of the Apostle. Great song. Yeah. We got a little samba tinge to the opening. It's kind of nice. The song establishes a groove that the album really doesn't leave much. Yeah. There's just a whole lot of perfect pop going on here. And the descending riff that dances throughout most of these songs reminds me a little like Denny Lane, right? He does those sure. yeah, descending yeah. riffs. Mm -hmm. I really do think that they're super effective and borderline beatle and awesome throughout. So the Acts of Apostles. Yes. It's the fifth book of the New the Testament. The New Testament. Yeah. Luke wrote it. The original Luke, not my, Skywalker. My least favorite apostle. Yeah, three or four. He's the Ringo of, of the apostles. <laughs> So it's the story of the early Christian church. Okay, yeah. And Jesus' ascension into heaven, I want to say. Something along those lines. It's somewhere in there. And so that's what? That's in verse one or two. And then he's talking about how she's playing Morning Has Broken. And that's an extremely popular hymn that Cat Stevens. Oh, Yusef Islam. Yusef Islam. I think he still goes by Cat Stevens. Isn't he Cat Stevens again? He is Cat Stevens again. He, yes. Is Harry Belafonte still alive? I don't know. I still don't, don't want to know. know. Don't want to know. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, but the point that you made earlier, those things support yeah, that. I think so. The imagery of this. Yeah. They could. Some of it is just because the subject matter of the band does revolve so much around like teenage love and sensitivity and romantic leanings. It's very Rococo in that way. That was beautiful. Thank you. But You're getting really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it's in his vocal too, but Stuart Murdoch's vocals are just so perfect. They're quiet, but they're Great also singer. powerful. Very, very powerful. Maybe um, they make you lean in. Mm -hmm. And when you're leaning in, your brain is like, oh, this is, yeah, this is very important. Yes. The lyric is also very strong too throughout, but there's little turns of phrase and, and things that I really appreciate that he uh, executes so, so masterfully, not only in the phrasing, but in the, just the, the structure of it all. The chorus here, oh, if I could make sense of it all, like there's a, yeah, there is a hymnal kind of quality to that rise there. Maybe that's why I'm feeling that it's Beatley, because, mm. you know, one of the things McCartney 
does in his songwriting without thinking or in his singing without even thinking about it is mm-hmm. he's pulling from that churchy hymnal stuff that he grew up singing as a kid. Yeah, true. And he uses it to his own ends, and that's fine. But I'm getting a similar sense out of Murdoch here. I agree with what you're saying. We are at school. We are. I think we so are. I'm following your thread. Okay. <laughs> Let's well, unravel it. Well, that thread takes us to track two, Another Sunny Day. What a good song. I just, my first note is another triumph of indie pop. <laughs> I wrote amazing slice of pop. Yeah. And it is. It really this, is. This is the kind of pop I enjoy. And a lot of people get snobby about pop. I like pop music. That's how a lot of my favorite rock music started. Mm-hmm. This is my kind of pop music, though. This bright little, it borders on corny, but it never really crosses the line. There's like a counterpoint harmony they're doing here and there's a little Motown repeat the lyric back kind of thing the echo the call and response I think is mm-hmm. what it's called that's going on here which is which is awesome and then we get more of those descending licks which gives the album a feeling of an emotional roller coaster because even though the thing is you know mostly positive mm-hmm It does slide down an awful lot, but only to lift you back up again. So it seeks to bring you down and up and down and up, but end up. I agree. I picked a a couple verses from this album just throughout the track by track. And I don't do that for every record that we talk about. But in this case, there's so many lyrics that I thought were beautiful poetry that I felt compelled to. So... I pulled this stanza out from this song. Another day in June, we'll pick 11 for football. And that's when they echo back, pick 11 for football. We're playing for our lives and the referee gives us fuck all. (laughs) When I was listening without the lyrics in front of me, I thought he was saying referee gets his fuck on, but he's not. He's saying the referee. Wishful thinking. (laughs) (laughs) He's saying the referee doesn't care. I saw you in the corner of my eye on the sidelines. Your dark mascara bids me to historical deeds. Great line. It's awesome. Great line. And again, I think they're playing high school sports. Paint your face. I will take some risks. Yeah. (laughs) That's the lyric I would have written. One other thing I really appreciate about this album as a whole, but especially love on this track, is the drumming and the bass. The rhythm section is so high Mm -hmm. in the mix, thumping, relentless. But then you get that jangly Beatles 65 style guitar, and it's everything I want from a rock and roll song. There it is. Everything. Yeah. It's great music. I want the bass and the drums high up in the mix, and I want some jangly goddamn guitar. If it's not jangling. Look, I'm Paul's manager. I'd like to... He says in his contract, it needs to be jangling. And this, these are barely tinkling. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to go the fuck back in the studio and fix this for him. Do you understand? Jang- jangle. Jangle. Because Paul will make my life a living hell. If you don't fix this, do you understand? Jangle as if you are unchained. We have then track three. Mr. Bojangle Unchained. Thank you. <laughs> white Collar Boy. Or The White Collar Boy. This is amazing. This Another is this great video, one. but this is so. I'm going to say this <laughs> ten times in a row, where I'm going to say, "Oh, whoa, it's amazing!" I'm going to be making fun of myself, but it's the truth. The synth bass, whatever it oh, is, yeah. whether a Moog or a Yamaha mm-hmm. or a Co- who cares? Yeah. It's, it sounds like a, a high school assembly song, like a cheerleading. Great. Anthem. Yeah. 
in a high school assembly song about white collar crime. <laughs> you white collar boy and you gave in to the law. Give in to the pressure, the cops come to get you. You were a thieving dog and work until they caught your little paw. Your wage won't stretch to picking up jets. A custodial sentence, you narrowly avoided. Community service, you had to. You were a thieving dog at work until they caught your little paw. And the call and response that started on the last song yeah. fully forms here. Mm-hmm. I, I, every time this has come on when I was listening, if I wasn't in the car, because this would have killed everyone, I just <laughs> grabbed an acoustic guitar. And really? Just, yeah, just... John, 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 I love that feel, that whole... Oh, I love it too. Yeah, the, the call and response is at its peak here. Pulled out this stanza from this one. You were chained to a girl that would kill you with a look. It's a nice way to die. She's She's so so easy easy on the the eye. eye. She said, let's get away, but you played it by the book. You're a warden's pet. She's a screaming suffragette. (laughs) We ain't in prison. We'll just finish up and go home. She said, no, not for me. I've got plans for later on. So she belted the Sarge and she jumped on a barge and you fell and you fell and you fell and you fell. <laughs> and again, right? You fell and you fell and you fell and you fell. Yeah. Into the chorus, white collar. Yeah. It's, I just love pants. this song so much. Yeah, it's very, 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 very good. And then the... You ain't ugly, you can kiss me if you like. Go You texted me that line the other day. I was like, I know, it's my favorite. I love it so much. <laughs> Out of context, stop texting me that type of stuff, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> the last, uh, this was the last single to be released from the album on June 26, 2006, and it hit the top 50 in the UK. It was the band's first single not to hit the top 40 since uh, Lazy Line Painter Jane nearly a decade earlier, charting at number 45. But I think that might just be because it was the third single on the album. And uh-huh. By the time you get to single three, people are starting to check out of the record. Yeah, seriously, yeah. But, You're just trying to get the last cash grab. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, model on the cover of this single is named Catherine Ireton who went on to have a music career of her own in a band that Stuart Murdoch put together as sort of a musical project oh. called God Help the Girl. Great. And I think this one was written by most, if not all, of the band. It was written by uh, Richard Colburn, Mick Cook, Chris Geddes, Steve Jackson, Sarah Martin, Stuart Murdoch, and Bobby Kildea. There's some sentiment in here that I think echoes the song Common People by Pulp. Mm, yeah. There's a juxtaposition of the working class and the mm-hmm. the privileged class and talking about how one drives the other insane or whatever. Great comparison. Yeah. Common people. What a single. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for I like knowledge. the Shatner version <laughs> a lot. Maybe better than the Maybe, yeah. So that brings us to track four. One of my... I would say in my top 10 favorite songs of all time. Whoa. Just songs. Mm. The blues are still blue. I left my lady in the laundrette. You can put some money on it. You can place a little bet up when I see my lady. The black will be white and the white will be black. But the blues are still blue.
my favorite on the album, my favorite by the band, top 10 of all time. This one feels like it erupted from my own DNA. Whoa. I just, I think this is a perfect song. All of these songs get better than the last one, so we're right lockstep on that. It's a really, very good set of lyrics. And it's danceable, too. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just what I want from a rock and roll song. Like, this, it's just what I want. This is what I want from rock and roll. This is it. Like, this song. writing theses (laughs) and washing machines. (laughs) There's a recording floating around out there of me doing this song with the smattering of musicians I play with sometimes just because I felt like I needed to get it out. Like I needed, I needed to make this song myself because it just, I had to, I felt a calling to do it. I just love this song. So I can't even describe yeah. it. I don't even know if I know why it's just, it's just, you get that booming rhythm section, but you get the harmony and you get the clever lyrics and the phrasing and you get little flourishes and there's payoff to the choruses. It's every single thing I want and a guitar solo. Yeah. And like Margot Price, they put a sad song in a major key and turned it into a like a banger before you know that you've been listening to something that's really sad. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, when you create that juxtaposition, it makes it relatable, you know? It right. Just, it's a commisery. You're commiserating with these people. I've been creeping around this town because old creeping's just my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a little wink, I'll be there. I'll be excited for a week, but then the excitement starts to fade. Very relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the second single from the album after its release in April of 2006. This one did reach the top 40 in the UK, their last top 40 hit to date. Tony Dugan mixed this track and one other on the record. Tony produced the band's Fold Your Hands, Child, You Walk Like a Peasant album mm. and a handful of other releases from them. He also produced for Mountain Goats, whom I enjoy. I love the Mountain Goats. Yeah, I like them. And the single was backed with a rendition of Whiskey in the Jar, which is a folk song from, I believe, from Scotland. And I love it because I'm not sure if you've ever heard this. My first introduction to that song is Metallica doing it. Oh, I thought you were going to say Thin Lizzy. <laughs> no, it's Metallica. Because I think there is a Thin Lizzy version of it, too. Uh, many, many bands have covered this song because, you know, a lot of people cover folk songs. But it, you just haven't lived until you've heard Hepfield sing whiskey in a jar when he adds a little jar And I haven't lived. (laughs) I could talk about the blues are still blue all day, but... What um, else do you want to say? You know what? I don't want to talk about it all day. I want to talk about the next track. All right. Which I like less, but it's called Dress Up and You. Yeah, a little less, sure. Brings things down a little bit, but suddenly you remember you're listening to a Bell and Sebastian album. (laughs) Pluck your eyebrows for the crowd. Yeah. Get on the airplane, you give me stomach pain. <laughs> yes. It's good. Uh-huh. Yeah, the horn section on this track is excellent. That's Alistair Collins on bassoon, Jennifer Stevenson on clarinet, and Tom Smith on trombone. I pulled another stanza out of this one. I always loved you. You always had a lot of style. I hate to see you on the pile of nearly made it's. You've got the essence, dear. If I could have a second skin, I'd probably dress up in you. Yikes. It's a wonderful little poem. It's very nice, yeah. And again, we get that sad subject matter, that soft vocal treatment, but you get the major key mm-hmm. and the chorus that tells you to fuck them <laughs> in reference to people who are causing you pain or grief. Right. Yeah. It's a great song after a really, really very good one. 
and then before another very, very good song. Yeah, you need it almost as a bridge. You yeah. can't go from Blues is Still Blue right into Sookie. But that does bring us into Sookie in the Graveyard, track number six. Again, this is the song that got me into Bill and Sebastian. It's just another perfect rock song to me. To hang out in the graveyard She did best rubbing She learned she never had to press hard When she was still shining out She was all alone She decided that she better check it at home There was an apple around Between her and her dad said she hadn't done this She hadn't done that If she wanted to remain inside the family home She'd have to tell the lies She'd have to give it a go oh, This is what I wrote What the fuck is going on? This is non-stop hit songs in a row. <laughs> yeah. And on the second note is, man, Suki is a real bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my notes that I took while listening. So I, you know, I was graduating art school the year I heard this song for the first time. And I found it highly relatable, actually. Mm. I knew a lot of Sookies. I pull this stance out to give you a hint of the plot of this song. Suki was a kid. She liked to hang out at the art school. She didn't enroll, but she wiped the floor with all the arseholes. She took a bijou flat with a fraternity cat. She hid inside the attic of the sculpture building. She had a slut slave, and his name was Dave. She said, be my photo, bitch, and I'll make you rich. He didn't believe her, but the boy revered her. He got her meals, and he got her a bed. He watched behind the screen as she started to undress. He never got far, just looking and playing guitar. Knew knew a lot of sookies. You knew a lot of people like this at art school. Yeah, a lot of people who were there to take advantage of others Hmm. in that way. If you're going to take advantage of people, it may as well be art school kids. (laughs) Right. The self-esteem in art school is usually pretty low despite the ego. Yeah. Even if you're not thinking about the lyric, which I wasn't for a good long while, Mm -hmm. there is a a guttural feeling I get from this song. It's high energy, but there is a little hint of dread on the end there. And I think that comes from, again, that bass and the drum Mm -hmm. being way up in the mix and accentuated with that electric organ that adds little beams of sunshine, but the sunshine kind of has to dance around the vocal, which is relentless. Yeah, a lot of words. Yeah. And I like that about them. I love their lyrics. If their lyrics were shit and they we're just going rapid fire. I mm-hmm. wouldn't appreciate it as much, but in this case, love it. Yeah, it's probably why we're listening to this record and talking about it. If the lyrics weren't any good, I don't know yeah. if I would be that interested. There's so many bands that steal my favorite 1960s and 70s tropes and mm-hmm. repackage yeah. the material. This is beyond that. Mm-hmm. Like Elvis Costello, who, what a lyricist. So shocked that people don't love him as much as I do. But if Elvis didn't have good lyrics, what's there? Why are you listening? Yeah. You just listen to the Ramones or the uh, something else, like something very simple is what I mean to say. That's a good point, though. There is an Elvis Costello quality to their songs sometimes because Elvis is another one that his vocal is pretty relentless. Oh, yeah. It's hammering. He's mad. Yeah. He's angry. He's mad about something. And Stewart's mad, too. Yeah. Whatever this illness was he had, I I know he had it for a long time. Really? He's pissed. Yeah. Why else are people songwriting? Why are you up on stage night after night and after night screaming your head off? Yeah. Trying to get over something. Mm Mm-hmm. 
process something. Yeah. Why are we sitting in here talking about this stuff? That doesn't matter. We don't need to psychoanalyze us. <laughs> We're perfectly fine. Stuart Murdoch. <laughs> He's a real nut. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this guy. Yeah. You know, I, I, all kidding aside, excellent lyricist. This is definitely a highlight, if not, I don't know if it's the best song on the record, but it's way up there. I'm happy to hear you say that. It's my second favorite on the record. I, I do really, really love it. The guitar solos remind me a lot of early George Harrison solos. Mm-hmm. They're very thoughtful uh, yeah, in their George. execution, and they intersect at similar places in each song and never quite overstay their welcome. They're, mm-hmm. they're in there for a little bit, then they get out, and they're always to the song, and they're always very thought out, arranged. It's not, you don't get a lot of the sense that they're on the fly. Right. You get the sense somebody's sitting there thinking about mm-hmm. how to do it. And that brings us to track seven, We Are the Sleepyheads. Yes. Some bongos on the sly mm. happening in the beginning there. I only really noticed when listening in headphones last night, actually. It sounds like a Help-era Beatles song yes. with 1950s-style female background vocals. Mm-hmm. Yes. the 60s sa- I wrote the 60s sound is back in full force again here. Yeah, it's just getting better and better, the record, as it goes along. Yeah. There's a little angelic chorus that flourishes in places and flies up and and up and up and up and it guides you from verse to verse and they really use harmony to build a song that's one thing i noticed in really dissecting why i like these tracks they they keep building it's like a step and they keep stepping yeah. higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and then they crash you down and then they do it again which is a great way to, to go about it i think i pulled a, another stanza this time from this song it says Someone told the truth when it really mattered most. The beauty of the moment is the beauty sadly lost, sadly lost. So I went around your house over tea and gin. We talked about the things we read in Luke and John, the things he said. And now it's morning and we are the sleepy heads. Mm. Back to the Bible stuff. I think this is two. Those are apostles, right? Yes. I think these are two kids. I think the, there's yeah. two kids in Catholic school who are the sleepyheads. Sounds like it. I think they're the sleepyheads, Ryan. I think I found the sleepyheads. I think you found them. And I also, there's the line, we've been in this town so long we may as well be dead. Yeah. <laughs> really love that. Yeah. Makes you stop and think. I know a couple people who are walking dead in my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but the dead and dying in my little town. That's Simon and Garfunkel. On a lighter note. Yeah. The funk. The funk. You think anybody ever called him the funk? You think Nicholson called him the funk? Definitely did. Definitely. With, uh, without confirming that. Hey there. <laughs> it's the funk. Hey, it's the funk. I like your songs that you sing with Paul. Why don't you get Paul back? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little tidbit of carnal knowledge for you. Here's what you need to know, funk. You need to get a good agent. You need to find yourself a nice bungalow. This has been bad Jack Nicholson impressions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about track eight, huh? Song for Sunshine. Sunshine, we all see. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, the Flaming Lips song they never knew they wrote. Right, right. This thing has Flaming Lips all over it. This is around the time where... Was it the War of what the hell is that album? War of the Mist at War with Mystics. Mm. 
when that album came out, this album came out around within a couple of years of each other. Yeah, they sound like they belong in the same space. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on flame? Uh, back to Jiminy. What are your thoughts on the flaming lips? Well, uh, <laughs> where's the bad Nicholson? Well, Jim, I can't even do it. Well, Jimmy. <laughs> well, Jack. <laughs> what would he call Jiminy Glick? Well, fat fucker. <laughs> the worst Jack Nicholson ever. Ever. I love the Flaming Lips. Yeah? I that's, believe... That's a strong statement. Their early records. Ooh. She Don't Use Jelly and mm-hmm. up to Yoshimi and maybe the one right after it. Yeah. Great. And then the stuff where they're doing the fetus, the USB and the fetus or whatever <laughs> all... I'm serious. I'm not even... Right? That's the thing they did, right? I lost track with them after it was, Yoshida. It was a gummy... Yoshimi. Yoshimi. A gummy fetus. I'm not kidding. Neat. A, and you could... That's how you get... You dig into this and you get the record. And... Wait, what? That's that's taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. But do you realize <sighs> that's a perfectly written song? It is a perfect song. I can listen to that at any time. And you hear that, I remember, it was high school probably. Devastating. Do you realize everyone you know one day will die? It's the truth. It is the truth. And nobody says it to you like that. Yeah. And there's coin flying down (laughs) in his big circular orb with a white tuxedo suit he hasn't washed since 1994 (laughs) telling you, and you're like, are you a bum or are you a prophet? There is, I th- I agree with you completely, although I don't know their early records. I only know At War With Mystics and Yoshimi. Those are the only two. Yeah, those two. two are great. That's that's where I tap out. I don't I don't know what's happened since then. There may not even be records since then, but I'm not sure. They did Plastic Ono stuff. Hmm. There's an album where they cover all of Sgt. Pepper. I'll take a pass. I'll it's take not, a hard pass on it's that. Not, it's not good. It's it's not good, Ryan. I can hear it. I can, I, it's very, it's not good. I wanted to love it. I wanted, I really yeah. did want to love it, but I, I couldn't. I didn't. So leave the Beatles alone, everyone. Yeah. Let the Beatles, <laughs> who wrote and recorded their own songs very well. Some may say, there's, okay, there's hand, we're way off topic. We it doesn't matter. We have time. Joe Cocker. Mm. Joe Cocker's version of the cock. The old uh, cock. Come here. Bad Nicholson. So I love Bad Nicholson. He should be a recurring character <laughs> yeah, on the Nicholson. show. <laughs> Listen, His version <laughs> of sh- sh- Bathroom Window and with a little help from my friends, very, very, very good. Yes. Do I like the original Beatles versions? Yes. Also, mm. I can't think of many covers where it's like, oh, wow, you know, that guy covered a Beatles song. That was so much better than John Lennon's <laughs> I like... There's a few on occasion I love. Uh, the I Should Have Known Better cover by She and Him I really like a lot. Yeah. That's just, I think that's just because I don't hear a lot of covers of that song and I was just no. interested in hearing it. And Zoe treated it well. We're going to dive, we're going to, one day we're just going to dive and do a Beatle episode. I don't even think it should have any structure. I think we just None. talk. Beatles, one hour yeah. ago. Uh, interesting to two people uh, <laughs> is sitting in this room. I like Song for Sunshine a lot. I guess on any other record, this one might be a standout, but I love everything else so much that I don't really think I always give this track its due just because I like other songs on this album so much better. It's my first dip. I wrote it. First dip for me in the the record. This is where the 
acceleration stopped. It hasn't stopped for good. Yeah. This felt like a Stevie Wonder track. Yes. Or like watching some kind of Grateful Dead cartoon. I also had ELO on this with the, because it sounds like an impression. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. Maybe it's a Hoffer production thing. I don't know the story. And I, don't, I don't know either. And I actually don't care to. But yeah, it's they, they took something and they they wanted to put it out. Yeah. They made the record, the end. It, I mean, it's. I would say it's good. I just don't, it's not a favorite. The My favorite part about it, though, is the bongo and maraca synth resting in that descending groove on the outro. Yeah. yeah. I think the outro is really, really interesting, actually. took the outro and put that at the start and end of this album you would have had a nice it would have, it would have, yeah it would have wrapped the thing up in a mm-hmm. bow a little bit but that Book brings end. us yeah that brings us to track nine and Fun- wow i'm back Woo. funny little frog funny little frog like a lost mecca song or a wing song but yes. also not at all like that the thing i said the line <laughs> you are my girl and you don't even know it i'm living out the life of a poet i'm the jester in the ancient court and you're the funny little throg in my throat. That's a full court shot, nothing but net yeah. moment. Where you're like, and the whole crowd stands up and yes. goes wild. Let me read the rest of that because I, I pulled out that line, but I also pulled out a, a few lines before it, which I also love. Honey, loving you is the greatest thing. I get to be myself and I get to sing. I get mm. to play at being irresponsible. I come home late at night and I love your soul. I never forget you in my prayers. I never have a bad thing to report. You're my picture on the wall. You're my vision in the hall. You're the one I'm talking to. When I get in from my work, you are my girl and you don't even know it. And that's when the, the rest and of that line I is... And then I said the other, I ruined the whole thing. I think... This is somebody pining for someone else and has never talked to her. Dark. Pretty dark. I think this Could is someone right. sure. living out an imaginary relationship uh-huh. in their mind. That's And it reminds me of the, and I forget what the song is called. I want to say it's the Jackson Park Express mm-hmm. from Weird Al. Yeah. Remember that song? It's it's at the end of one of his recent albums and it's really long and it's all about how he's watching this girl and like the flare of her nostril tells him that she wants to be with him forever and yeah. can't and then he fills in this elaborate backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic I got, Weird Al. Yeah. I got that vibe from this one too. Huh. This is, like you, a highlight for me on the record and the song was a single, the first single off the album, it hit the top 20 in the UK singles charts in January of 2006 in advance of the record. And it was the highest charting single to date for the band up to that point, reaching number 13. And it went to number three in the band's native Scotland. So this one did resonate with people. Although I think it's funny that they pulled this one and not Blues Are Still Blue, but maybe that's just because I like the Blues Are Still Blue more. I don't know. Yeah, I don't care to think of you in a physical way, and I don't know how you smell. (laughs) You are the cover of my magazine. You're my fashion tip, a living museum. I'd pay to visit you on rainy Sundays. I see that people think it may be about the Virgin Mary. Oh, you're getting fashion tips from the Virgin Mary, are you? Well, not me. (laughs) Murdoch. Murdoch. 
I read you, Murdoch. But yeah, it is. Now that we dig into it, because I somehow missed this, I Chris Pine theory is right. You're Christopher Pining. I'm Christopher Pining. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm. That's just my impression of it, listening to the lyrics, but the religious stuff makes a lot more sense. Although, if you're thinking of this as I was in terms of kids in a Catholic school about to get about to get graduated and you're talking different types of personalities uh-huh. this is one yeah, yeah on the, definitely on yeah. the school bus or whatever there's cute little hooks that this band gets that latch into your brain and never really leave and sometimes it's funny turns of phrase but this song is just one big representation of their earworm ability uh-huh. i think I do love it. It was a grower for me. I okay. never, it's never my go-to on this album. And then I forget it's there and I'm like, whoa, mm. this is great. Mm. Yeah, it's very good. I like that one a lot. All right. Now track 10, To Be Myself Completely. This is another fine song I don't mind. This reminded me of hearing a George Harrison song on a Lennon and McCartney dominated album. Yeah, I said cut this one from the record. I could have cut this and I wouldn't have noticed. <sighs> it's, I don't think it's bad. I just think next to the other material, it's the other material so much more advanced. Yeah. And you can hear the band trying to make this song into something. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hear the effort. I think this is a Stevie Jackson. Is it? It's another vocal, right? Yeah, another, it's another vocalist. vocalist. That's the biggest mistake this band could make. Yeah. And I know they did on previous albums. Yeah, they bounce around to a few. There's only one guy that should sing, and it's Stuart Murdoch. And I I don't care if you're a fan listening to this, that you disagree with me, you are wrong in your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Again, much like those early George songs, I don't hate them. They're fine. No, they're in the style of the band, but it's not... Exactly. It's not, a, it's not as good as a Paul or John construction. But it still sounds like a Beatles song. It's dressed up like one. This is, I feel the exact same way about this one. This has the trappings of a Bell and Sebastian song, but there's something lacking in there. And and maybe it is just the vocal. Maybe it's the vocal. I don't know. And then again, Who's the vocal's not bad. Like we're shitting on this vocal, but I think it's just because the other vocals no, 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 are no, no. so I'd want to be really clear about that. It's yeah. a fine vocal performance from a fine singer. Yeah. It's not Belle and Sebastian. Yeah. Would Cheers be the same without Ted Danson? <laughs> <laughs> no, the good answer question. is no. There's no other answer, and the answer is no. It's a good question. And that's how I feel about you did not think that you could get this kind of value for your podcasting dollar, connecting mm-hmm. to be myself completely, <laughs> to cheers. And you're very welcome, everyone. And yet. I like the fiddle. There's like a violin thing going on. That's a nice little touch. Yes. You know, that's all I have to say about this one. Yeah, really. same. Act of the Apostle Part 2. Now, this one. Interesting. Is when we're back to the concepty nature of the record that does come up now and again and we got a little churchy synth happening here. I ha- I wrote down, and again, this is just for us because we're weird McCartney freaks, but I wrote that this one has the feeling of Baby's Request at the end of Back to the Egg. Oh, sure. There's a little loungy kind of break happening there. I pulled out this stanza. I'm bored out of my mind, too sick to even care. I'll take a little walk. Nobody's going to know. I'm in senior year. It gives you a little free time. 
I'll just use it all at once. Took the fence and the lane, the bus, then the train, bought an independent to make me look like I got brains. I made a story up in my head if anyone would ask. I'm going to a seminar. I'm a genius, a prodigy, a demon at maths and science. I'm up for a prize. You gotta grow up sometime. You gotta do it on your own. I don't think I could stand to be stuck. That's the way things were going. The Bible's my tool. There's no mention of school. My Damascan roads my transistor radio. I tune in at night when my mom and dad start to fight. Can we talk about that line? Yeah. So in the Bible, Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul, converts to Christianity while traveling to Damascus to persecute Christians, right? So idiomatically, a Damascan road is something that causes someone to have a major change in their belief. And that, for him, is his radio. It's music. So he's, oh, it's music. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that might be the kid who was brought up in the Catholic school. He's in his senior year, and he's now turned his mind onto music, and he's taken these trips into the city. And he's making right. up stories of what he'll tell people. But he's, I'm going to a seminar. Yeah. I'm a genius, a yeah. prodigy. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm a genius. I'm going to a seminar. Check yeah. out my newspaper. It's The Independent. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read it even? Do you even know how to read? Yeah. I do. I'm going to walk away now. <laughs> Good day, sir. This is the one that cracked open the backstory I gave this album or the Fair enough. plot. Because when you do hear these lyrics, that's, I think, the nail on the head. But there right. are other songs that echo it. And then I love we get back into the after that loungy sort of divergence. Uh-huh. We get back to Act of the Apostle from part one. And we hear that song kind of again. That's why my only choice is find the face behind the It makes the record feel intentional. It makes the choices feel important. Mm-hmm. I love this song, and I love it as an opening, and I wish it were the closer, but it's not. <laughs> it should be the closer. That's exactly what I was thinking. It should yeah. just be bookended and done. This album ends three times, which is... <laughs> I think you find that a lot with mm-hmm. bands. They don't know where to end the thing. Yeah. This one, I think, has three endings. I have a formula for you. It's nine songs. If there are not nine songs that are all five stars, that's when the album should stop. If you have more five-star songs, you can go up to 14. Wow. I think people think, oh, the Beatles had 14 songs on each album, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. No, you shouldn't. Nine songs. Nine. Billy Joel's albums, most of them, nine songs, and they're all pretty good yeah. for the most part. Yeah. It's where everybody goes for, oh, it was so good except for that or this thing or it goes on too long mccartney's records now paul mccartney why are these albums 18 tracks long (laughs) (laughs) i don't want and i like six of the songs half the time yeah yeah as a i have two feelings about that my fan brain wants the more the additional content my objective record buying listening brain 
understands you are right. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are two different ways you could listen to these things to each of those ends. And I am coming at Bell and Sebastian not as a really a fan of theirs so much as a fan of this album and kind of what they do. So I think I'm more inclined to say, oh, well, yeah, just cut it. Mm. Like, just end it. Right. Whereas if I was really, really into it, I might be like, well, we get more tracks in there. Make it a triple album. <laughs> Where's the one side of the vinyl that's a synthesizer experiment? <laughs> you're looking for some apple jam i know what you're looking for that's what i was thinking about yeah (laughs) i put on apple jam a lot i kind of love apple jam not bad anyway that brings us to track 12 for the price of a cup of tea hey that's a good song right exactly you know for the price of a cup of tea you'd get a line of coke for the price of a night with me you'd be the village joke great lyricist really Mm -hmm. fun there's some dark stuff in those lyrics. The whole album, it's far darker than I thought. Yeah, because they sounds so happy-go-lucky. Like, this one sounds downright syrupy in places. Mm-hmm. But when you get into it, you realize, oh, they're talking about other things. This is another track where the woodwinds coming in uh, kind of highlights things and offer an even brighter ray of sunshine sometimes mm-hmm. than was previously communicated. I don't know. I re- it's another one that's in line with... Funny Little Frog and all those sleepyheads, whatever. Like, it's a good, solid pop tune. Very good. And then we get to the ending, the actual ending, the canonical ending. Right. Mornington Crescent, which I I always forget it's on here. I don't, I like it. It's fine, but it just doesn't really um, close the record like Cup of Tea No, it should have just been a B-side. Yeah. Or left off. It's fine. It doesn't really sound like anything else on the album, so I like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It does have the little Bell and Sebastian flourishes, but there's like a 70s acoustic guitar feel to it. Mm-hmm. I looked it up, and Mornington Crescent is both a game show on the BBC and also a tube station in London. So okay. I think this might be meaning to evoke the journey on the tube station. Yeah, probably. And again, could be somebody coming from the sticks into the big city because it is in London after all and maybe you have somebody growing up and heading there whatever the case beautiful guitar solo on this and the dueling piano is just this wonderful harmony right at the end there again even the songs that I'm lukewarm on I still like still like this one yeah I like it I feel we we are more or less lockstep on this one yeah and that's that's a rarity so yeah. usually you're like I love this one I love oh this I love one. this and you're like yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> So that's it. That's that's uh, we made it. That's Bell and Sebastian, the life pursuit. It was pursued, and it was captured. We we, ca- we we ensnared it. We got, we did it. We did a good job. Can you believe we are already at the penultimate episode of season Ooh, one? I can't. I actually cannot. On another show I did, we I just recorded the last episode. Went through. I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably know. Take it away. We just recorded Egypt Station. I could not believe it. All of the work, all the time, it's just gone. Yeah. You know, I understand that the show's out and this show will be is, is out if you're hearing it. Where is time going? It's I just know. sliding by and running through us so fast. It's amazing. And that's what I love about the show we've got here is because I feel like between you and I, we have no shortage of albums that we like. No, absolutely <laughs> none. You look to the album pile and you're like, well... I will be long dead before I get through these. (laughs) 
Well, that's good. Well, we hope you all enjoyed Bell and Sebastian's Life Pursuit. We'll have Spotify playlists available oh, of sure. all these records yeah. so that you can check them out. We want to hear your thoughts. Like We don't say that enough on the show, but we want to hear from you. What do you think of these records? Send us an email. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, all those social channels. We really do want to hear because it's the sharing of these albums that is the that's the thing we enjoy. Yeah, please write us. I know it's at the end of every episode, but it's now hear this official at gmail.com. I love it because it looks like now heart is official. <laughs> <laughs> so send us an email. We do want to have a conversation. Join us for a conversation on our Facebook and our Facebook group and everything's right. Your opinion's right. We're just having fun. We want to start a conversation with you about these records. Yeah. And be here next week for the finale of our album exchange this season we hope you enjoy it we got a good one coming up next episode i can't wait to talk about it should we tease them ryan yes what do you think should we what do you you tease it you tease it i have a couple of oblique strategies (laughs) on how to do that and those are bam 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 do you have an opinion about the album we discussed today? Contact us at, at now here this podcast on Instagram, at now here this pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash now here this podcast, or email us at now here this official at gmail.com. See you next time. That's that's me. Alright, now we're both recording. Pump it up if you can feel it. What's the second line? Pump it up. If you know you can feel it. If you know you can feel it. Pump it up. Not Googling it. If you can't steal it. Pump it up. If you know you can. What am I doing? Yeah, it's the na 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 Repopul. Well, hey, Ryan. Hey, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute... Mm. To help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate, featuring the wonderful new donation technology that ACAST has developed for us. That's right. ACAST has helped us out. They host the show. Yeah, our hosts, ACAST, have made it really easy to donate to the show. They have an ACAST supporter feature, and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show. It can be five bucks, a hundred bucks, less than a dollar. We don't care. Yeah, just something to keep the lights on. It's all out of pocket, and we do this out of love, and that's it. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. Couldn't said it better myself. It's okay. All right, well, bye then. <laughs>